It's so good to see all of you. My name is Matthew. I'm the pastor here at Trinity on the East Side. What a gift it is, truly. Um, I think if you couldn't tell from Ginny, I mean, this is like the greatest thing that's ever happened to us, <laughs> getting to be with you all today. I was thinking about how last Easter we all woke up in our homes and then we just didn't leave because you weren't allowed to. And I remember getting on Zoom later that afternoon with my family and that was our Easter. And now here we are, you know, the world is warming, things are changing, there's hope. A whole bunch of us have had shots in our arms and that's helping a little bit. Um, but even better than that, Jesus is living, breathing, moving, speaking, walking, and he's here. And so what a gift it is to be together today. I'm going to read from Mark's gospel, and then I'm going to pray, and then we'll just work through the story. Um, it's a good story. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Salome, Sol Salome is not her name, Salome, I think is how you say it. Her name was Cured Meats. They bought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, by the way, had already been rolled back. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But the man said, do not be alarmed. Do not be afraid. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee, and there you will see him just as he told you. And so they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Jesus, God, we thank you that you are alive. We thank you that we gather in this beautiful day, surrounded, Lord, by life, growth all around us. It's just a shadow, God, of what is happening across the whole cosmos because you began breathing again and walked out of a tomb and death was undone. Sin and brokenness was undone. And now, Lord, we are the inheritors of this new world, waiting for and hastening the day when you will make all things new. So, Jesus, meet us now. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to our parking lot. Thank you for being here. We ask you to please fill our hearts with joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm so glad we get to do this outside. I was just saying with someone, I think we should just always do Easter outside going forward. It's an outdoor event. It belongs outdoor. It's meant to be accompanied by birds singing and the wind rustling the trees. It is a thing that took place in the outside. And I think it's good for us to be here today to remember, um, to remember the story. So our story that we just read begins not on Sunday morning, but it begins Saturday night. 
because it says that when the Sabbath was over, they went and bought spices, which means that on the Jewish Sabbath, it begins Friday at sundown and ends Saturday at sundown. So when sundown hit on Sunday and the, the, the sun finally disappears, the last little sliver of light disappears over the horizon, they rush to the spice cellar in Jerusalem. They bang on the door. They say, we know you're closed, but we have to be at the tomb before dawn. Would you please open up and sell us some spices? We, we need to go anoint a body. And they convince the person to open up and to sell them what they need. And then they go home and get a short night's sleep. Why were they so anxious to get to the tomb? What were they needing to get to? I mean, if anything, they had all the time in the world now. The body wasn't going anywhere. What was causing the eagerness in the women? Well, I think it's two things. First of all, for the Jewish person in the first century, they believed that the spirit of a person remained near the body of a person for three days. And then after that, the spirit would go away. So before they could let the spirit go away, they needed to do all the burial things that they needed to do. They needed to have the rituals and the embalming and all that stuff. So that was important. That was number one. But I think way more important than that, number two, I think they just wanted to be near Jesus. I think that they wanted to be near the body of this man. It was all that was left of this man that they had walked around uh, Judea with for three years. This man whom they had watched die just days before. And they just wanted to be near even the bloated, shredded body of this man one more time. To be in the same room with Jesus. I suppose the question is not why are they so eager, but would we be eager to be with Jesus? So eager to rush out Saturday night to wake up before the sun on Sunday. They wake up before dawn. We know from uh, some of the other gospel accounts they are out the door and at the tomb before the sun rises. The sun rose in Jerusalem this morning at 6.24 a.m. So it's 6 a.m. and it's cold outside as it is that time of day in that part of the world. We know it was cold because on Thursday night when they're at Jesus' trial, everyone is huddled around this little charcoal fire trying to keep warm. It's chilly at night. They're bundled up. The sky is dark, maybe turning gray. They meet each other. They're the only ones in the street. The sound of their steps on the road are the only sounds that can be heard. They make sure they have everything they need. And they hasten to the tomb. As an aside that I think bears repeating every single Easter, where are the men? <laughs> and they are asleep. That's where they are. They are home and they are afraid and they are asleep. It's the women that stayed with Jesus all the way to his death on the cross. It's the women who on Saturday night rush out and buy the spices. It's the women who wake up before dawn and leave behind a home, a house of sleeping people. It's the women who are the first eyewitnesses of the resurrection. It's the women who are the first preachers of the gospel, the first preachers in the church were women. Mary Magdalene has been called in the church tradition the apostle to the apostles. She was the one who first had to give the gospel to the ones who would give the gospel to the world. The only Easter event that all four gospels agree on, not that they disagree, they just all have different versions. The only event is that there were women at the tomb. And I know that the story that we just read ends with, and they were super afraid and said nothing to anyone, but but they had to say something to someone or else we wouldn't know the story. If it weren't for the strength and the resilience and the courage and the love of the women in Jesus' life, we wouldn't have the story. 
Who knows, Jesus could have been walking around Jerusalem for several days before anyone came looking for him if it wasn't for the women in his life. They were the ones there looking for him. And I just think it's really cool. Like just, you know, we're an egalitarian church. We believe that there's no distinction between men and women and what God calls them to. And God decided to make it from the very beginning such that if you were going to believe the gospel, you had to believe that the eyewitness testimony of a woman was as reliable as that of a man, which was not how anyone lived in that day. In fact, women's testimony was not admissible in court. Josephus, the first century historian, tells us as much. It says that women were not permitted to speak uh, in court because of, quote, the temerity and the levity of their sex. In other words, they couldn't be trusted. They were too emotional. And God says, no, we're going to change the order. We're going to bring justice in a new way. We're going to flip the tables over from the very beginning. We're going to say that if you believe the gospel, you have to believe that you can trust what comes out of a woman's mouth as much as what comes out of a man's. I'm going to change the world. Every part of it. Justice to all people. There are no good and bad. There is no rich or poor. There is no slave or free. There is no male or female in God's kingdom. But Paul says in Messiah, we're all one in Christ. Okay, so back to the tomb. They're walking to the tomb and they get there. They're going to have to ask the soldiers to open the tomb. They're planning. They're braced for it. They're going to get there, and they're going to hold their nose, and they're going to walk in. And the body of Jesus at this point, if you want to know what will have been happening, his internal organs will have been decomposing now for two days. He'll beginning, he's beginning to bloat and to leak. His skin is turning gray and marbly. It's starting to smell. This is what they were walking into. They knew they were walking into. This is why they brought spices, friends. Because there was a dead person in the tomb. They weren't expecting anything other than that. They went there with what they needed to anoint the dead, rotting body of their rabbi. And that's the turn. Nobody saw this coming. No one expected this. In fact, one of the strongest arguments for the validity and the historicity of the bodily resurrection of Jesus is that you couldn't find a Jew in the first century who thought this was the way it was going to go down. Nobody believed that God was going to become a person, a human. Nobody believed that the resurrection, which was at the end of the age and was for all of God's covenant people, that it was going to be individual first, a singular event. No one believed that. It fit in no one's framework. It's why if you read the New Testament with that as a lens, you will suddenly see why all the apostles suddenly sound like they're surprised by what they're saying. Because they are surprised by what they're saying. They're piecing together for you and me a thing that they didn't think was the way it was going to work. Paul says again and again in his writings that the gospel is a great mystery that God has been hiding from us for all along. No one saw this coming. But they get to the tomb and they are invited to look inside. The sun has risen. Mark is, of course, describing the literal sunrise, but he's also, it's a literary nod to the fact that something fresh and new has happened. The last time Mark takes the reader's eyes and points them at the sky, it is 12 o'clock on Good Friday, and he says the earth is covered in darkness. So he is literally saying the darkness that covered crucifixion is now giving way to light, which is cresting over the dawn. A new thing is happening. God is doing something new in our midst. The sun of righteousness is rising with healing in its wings. As the prophet Malachi said, weeping may have tarried for the night, but joy has come in the morning. 
And the angel says to the women, do not be afraid, which is always the first thing angels have to say to someone because angels are scary. The first thing, you always, angels always say this. You read the Bible, they're always like, do not be afraid. And the people are always like, have you seen you? You're, you're a scary person. You are intimidating. Like, don't be afraid. I have good news for you. They are invited to gaze into an empty space, but the fact that the space is empty is actually a sign not that there is an absence on the earth, but now there's a presence on the earth. What if they had looked in and seen the body? What if they looked in and saw the body of Jesus still there? What if it was a trick? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, if they had looked in and seen the body, then the Christian faith is useless. That we are of all people most to be pitied. The Bible does not allow for this to be metaphor. It doesn't give the space for this to live in some sort of spiritual dimension. He says, if Christ is not raised from the dead, then we might as well, he says, eat, drink, and be merry. Because why? Because this is all you get. So enjoy your life. There's no nobility in sacrifice. There's no goodness in morality. Just enjoy your life. If Christ is not raised from the dead. But there wasn't a body in the tomb. Go and tell the disciples, the angel says, and Peter. This is the best part. And Peter. Why and Peter? Isn't he a disciple? He is. But the last time we saw Peter, he was denying that he knew Jesus or that he was Jesus' disciple. The last time we see Peter, he says, I never knew this person. I don't want anything to do with him. And so the disciples are called, but not just disciples, and Peter. I love this. Guys, the women had to go and find Peter and say, hey, he's back alive and he wants to see you. And how... Beautiful and hopeful is it that when Jesus confronts or meets Peter, it's not to scold. In fact, in John 21, we see he finds him fishing, he bakes him breakfast, and he resets him and restores him to his calling as the leader in the church. This is what Jesus does. Guys, I know that a lot of us have been checked out for a long time, for a year. It's been a super hard year. And maybe you even come here today feeling weird about that. Sometimes people look at me like, oh, I haven't really been, you know, everywhere. Like, I know, it's okay. We know your IP addresses. We know who's watching and who isn't. That is not true, by the way. That is scary. Google knows, but we don't know. Y'all, when Jesus comes after us, he comes to embrace us, to reset us, to restore us back in the story that he is making all things new. If this is your first time in a year of even feeling like a Christian, if you felt completely disengaged, Jesus is here right now to embrace you, to sweep you up, to reset you. Not to sit and talk about what a waste, all the time, all the things you could have been, no. Can you imagine that Jesus' heart is towards you right now to make you a part of his new creation story, period, full stop. That's actually what's at play here. And the women leave the tomb, and they are silent. They are stunned, and the credits roll. And we're, I think, inclined to say, that's a bad story, Mark. What, what is, where, where's Jesus? Where's the, the scars in his hands and his feet? Where is him eating a fish or doing something else that's cool? Like, where is Jesus? 
And in fact, in the first several centuries of the church, there were several literary critics who were masquerading as Bible copyists who decided Mark had done a bad job here, and they added endings. And if you go and you open your Bible to Mark 16, you'll get to the end of 8, and then there'll be like a line, and it says like, everything below this is probably not Bible, but then they'll say it anyway, and it's not part of the Bible. It's stuff that was just added to try to make sense, to try to give some sort of tie the bow, like we got to finish this story really well. And not only is it bad writing, but it's actually dangerous writing. There's stuff in there that has actually led to the death of many people over the centuries because they are holding rattlesnakes. And now you're not supposed to do that. That's not a good thing. It's not in the Bible. It's something that someone added. Anyway, weird soapbox to get onto on Easter, right? The, the reality is, is that Mark is a better storyteller than that. He intentionally leaves with a hanging question, not because he doesn't know the end of the story. Mark's account, or Matthew's account, which, which parallels this so closely, has the women leaving the tomb. They're going back into Jerusalem, and Jesus meets them immediately, and they fall at his feet. They kiss his feet. They worship him, and he's like, it's okay. It's okay. It's going to be okay. Go and tell the guys. Wake them up. Tell them what happened. The whole thing is clear. Like, it's okay. Like, it's all going to be Okay. Mark doesn't want to tie it up for us because he wants instead for you and me to sit and to live in the tension of the women. What will they do now? Or more acutely, what will you do now? What will you do with this message? Mark is asking you, will you tell the others? Will you go back to Galilee and find Jesus? Why Galilee? Because Galilee is the origin source. It's where everything begins. He's basically saying, will you go back and find Jesus at the beginning and walk through the story of Jesus again, but this time knowing the end. No longer living in the mystery of how will this all shake out, but knowing, oh, it's going to be a hard road of suffering that ends in victory. Can you go back and walk through the road of your life with Jesus, Mark is saying, and be a person who knows that victory is the final word, not loss, not suffering. The book of Mark ends with the Greek word gar. The word means for. It's a conjunction. It doesn't belong at the end of a book. It does work as the end of a sentence in Greek because Greek is complicated. But it is not found in a single ancient Greek work as being the last word in that work. Mark is forcing you and me onward in the story. He's refusing to let you close the book. You can't close the book because the story's not over. It goes on. This is just the beginning. It's just the first day of the new dawn of the new age. It's just starting right now. What will you do? Will you go back and live the story with Jesus knowing the end is now certain? I think about how much fear I have in my life and how much fear so many of us have. I'm afraid of so many things. I'm afraid of stuff breaking in my house because it's super old and it's very expensive when stuff breaks and stuff keeps breaking. I'm afraid of stuff like, I'm, I'm afraid of like my kids getting sick or getting hurt. I'm afraid of them being bullied. I'm, af I'm afraid of, I was afraid of getting COVID for a while. Now I'm afraid of having a bad reaction to the shot that I get, uh, you know, coming up. It's like, there, there's so much to be afraid of, but if I'm going to be really honest with you, and I don't know why not, we're friends. I, I'm afraid of being a Christian sometimes. I mean, not here, not with you. Like we're safe. You guys are like cool with Christians, probably. I'm afraid of being a Christian out there. I'm afraid of being a part of the people who are unrespected, who are seen as non-scientific, who are seen as people that cannot be trusted, people who have strange political views or whatever it is. I'm afraid that maybe being a Christian is going to put me at odds with the culture that I'm trying to find some sort of a home in that I was never meant to. I'm afraid of these things because I believe that if I can somehow find acceptance there while still holding on to Jesus, like that's winning in some way. I see so much evidence of this on social media, friends, and a lot of us are doing it, including me, trying to prove constantly, like, I'm a Christian, but not that kind of Christian. 
Like, I, I follow Jesus, but not, not in that way, not in the weird way. Because God forbid I could be canceled or be the sort of person that you would think that my views were actually, like, they didn't totally meld with everything that was going on. And Mark is simply saying, are you willing to walk the road with Jesus through suffering, knowing that suffering is not the last word? That the resurrection does not mean that the suffering is over. The resurrection is not the end of suffering. It's simply the promise that suffering is not the end. That actually all suffering is always leading us to life on the other side. And if you and I are willing to walk and stay close to Jesus, what we will find is death swallowed up by victory and the grave swallowed up by life. And Jesus is simply saying to you and me today, I don't know what this year has been like for you. I don't know what, what this coming year will be like for any of us. Who could have ever predicted this last year? But will you be brave and bold? Will you be my disciple? Will you stay close to me no matter the cost? Will you take up your cross, as Jesus says, and follow me? Because you know that the cross is just the way to the empty grave. And that what I'm calling you to is so much greater than what you will find apart from me.